Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We are here to talk about Halloween ends. Dun, dun, dun. This is like a little bonus episode to our our Halloween um, exploration because we did. Mm-hmm. We've already done two episodes on the earlier sequels, and uh, we're closing it out. Yeah, I think it was we hadn't planned on it, and nope. then you suggested it, and I was like, "That's a good idea. I think it'd be fun." Yeah, I suggested so it before we had watched it, though. Yeah, we'll get into that. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it's you know, okay. We're here to talk about the horror genre, and some are winners, some are okay, Turns. and um, yeah. Well, you not know, not everyone fight. is a home run. N- yeah, it can't be like all Halloween. Like mm-hmm. Halloween was a knockout. You know, home run. It was amazing. So, um, I mean, the remake with Danny McBride is what I meant to say, but um, <laughs> but she digresses. Anyway, I digress. Um, but before we begin, what's oh, new? Oh, we gotta talk oh, no, about no, that. No, 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 no. Uh, what's new with you? Me? You. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, so I've been watching with Victor um, the new series, Interview with the Vampire, on AMC. There's a new series on that? Mm-hmm. Wow. And I love the books. I was all about them when I was, like, in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> They're so sexy and dangerous and and very good and i love Anne rice and um i love the character i love that book so much and i loved the movie with brad pitt and uh tom cruise and but this one deviates from that from that um you know the plot and the characters a bit because louis is played by the african um an Af- he is an african-american in the show, but he's also played by the actor who plays Grey Worm in Game of Thrones, who I, I love oh, him so I love much. Him. Um, he's fantastic, and so obviously because the character of Louis is played by an African American man um, or a black man, um, he can't own a plantation. Really, yeah, like, maybe that's ignorant of me. Maybe there were people who did that, but in this I, case, I don't think I don't so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a historian. Okay, but. They had to change it, and they changed the time as well, because it took place, like, turn of the century, early 1900s, Mm -hmm. um, instead of in the whatever interview happened. I want to say it was a lot, maybe 100 years earlier than that. No clue. But I can't remember, but... um, I tried to rewatch it not that long ago, and I was like... You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It's it's very, very good. And Claudia is African-American. It's... Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about the changes of the characters, like their backgrounds and who they were, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really enjoying it, so I recommend it highly to anyone who loves that series. Nice. So, it's good. And then, um, I was going to mention what I did for Halloween. I just took the kids out trick-or-treating. My daughter was a Care Bear. Aww. <laughs> My son played a, uh, a little boy getting abducted by an alien. Oh, that, with had, that blow-up costume? Yeah, he had yeah. the blow-up. Uh, and then we just went and we had we made like tacos. We went out. We had so many trick or treaters come to our house. Uh, it was kind of an early night because it was a school night, but it was really fun. You yeah, know? it's 
one of those things where I'm like, this is a memory that's important to me because it's yeah. like my favorite holiday. So yeah. in the moment, I take like little, and it's like a, I think of the office where they like take little picture shots with their eyes. Oh, like that's yeah. what I kind of do during mm-hmm. uh, Halloween and and times that are where I'm like, this is a good moment and yeah. I have to remember this. So. It's a good thing that you mm-hmm. look at it like that because I'm only a couple years down the road from you in terms of the ages of my kids and Halloween is nothing for them yeah. anymore. I mean, my son hasn't dressed up for multiple years and um, and no trick-or-treating. My daughter, so this is her last um, year at our grammar school. She's an eighth grader. And so, you know, they wear costumes to school, actually. But there were some kids in her eighth grade class that did not dress up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she, uh, yeah, she didn't, she went after school um, over to her friend's house and hung out for a while. But then she came home and it was just, it was just a Monday night. Like nobody went anywhere. Nobody did anything. We had pizza and I watched a movie for an episode of a podcast that shall remain nameless, name or nameless. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm glad that, um, you know, your kids are still and your kids, I'm sure, will continue longer than mine did just because it's a big part of your household overall. Whereas with me, my my husband is like cares nothing about Halloween. And so that kind of tipped us in that direction a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. I think you you probably got more time ahead of you than I had, but yeah, yeah there it goes by fast. Yeah, I think we nurture a love for it. Yeah, you know, and um, so I think that's good, and and we have fun together, and and the kids are like, oh man, you know, this is oh only a few more days. They're like messaging me like, mom, it's Halloween. You know, Aww. it's really fun. And, yeah, and we got your spirit. Together. Oh, for sure. It's and our house is spooky, and it's great. <laughs> What's new with you, Katie? Um, well, you know, I had, uh, something happen, um, maybe a week or so ago that, uh, was not great, but it might've marked a, um, like moment of passage in my life because I used to make cakes. I started when my, um, so my kids are two years apart. And so when my daughter turned one and we ordered this Minnie Mouse cake from a fancy bakery and paid a shit ton of money on it and it was hideous and I hated it. And I was so mad so that then when our son turned three, a couple weeks later, I was like, fuck that. I'm going to make my own cake. And I made a Spider-Man cake and it came out really good and everybody was super impressed. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is, and you know, and I was a stay at home parent. And so I had that kind of time and. Um, so I, I kind of got into it and had a little fun. And then I remember the first person that actually was like, Hey, if you made this baby shower cake for me, like I could pay you, would you be interested in doing that? And I'd be like, okay. Um, and then it grew from there where there was a time when I was doing quite a lot, um, for just lots of people. And then it became, my husband pointed out that, you know, with us, me not having a business license and not carrying insurance, that maybe it wasn't wise for me to just be doing these things willy nilly. Um, and so it kind of ebbed a little bit to where I was just making cakes for the people that I knew. And then it'd be like, time to sue you. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then, I you know. I broke my tooth on your frosting. <laughs> <laughs> more time went by and some of the people that I baked for a lot, like their kids got a little bit older. They weren't having the same kind of parties that they had for their kids before. They, you know, they didn't want cakes anymore. And I was really fine with that um, because I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And so when I took this teaching job, now this is my second year, I was like, okay, well, I can't do it anymore because it's like, you know, I would 
carve hours out of the days leading up to whatever Saturday the event was on to to make these cake projects. Um, but there would still every now and then like, a, you know, a, a dear, dear friend or, you know, somebody that I had made dozens of cakes for over the years, like would come and ask and I would be like, OK, I'll squeeze it and I'll make it happen. And I had agreed um, to do that for somebody that I had made. I mean, probably four or five cakes for her over the years. She has three kids and it was her youngest's first birthday and her middle's fifth birthday. And they were having a big party. And I was like, fine. And I I managed the time and I produced the cakes and they actually came out really nice looking. Um, And then she I didn't realize that the party venue was like 40 minutes away Mm -hmm. at least. And um, they her husband picked up the cakes from me in the morning. And then I'm starting to get texts from her a while later of like, oh, this this part fell off. What should I do? And I'm like, oh, shit. And then, you know, and she's all I texted back. And then she says, driving right now, I'll text you when we get to the party site. And then like 40 minutes later, she texts me back. I was like, yeah, they can't be in a car that long. Mm -hmm. Like and they just both of the cakes just totally fell apart in transit. Um, and it, I felt really bad. It was, it was kind of like a, um, I couldn't decide how I felt about it. Like, I'm glad that it was somebody that I knew that I had a relationship with that I'd made many successful cakes for in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I kind of wish that it happened to a stranger I didn't care about (laughs) because I did feel really, really terrible that she had this big event for two of her kids' birthdays. It was her son's first birthday. It was a big deal. Um, and then to have the cakes just collapse, um, cause one of them was two tears and it, it was, it was really bad. And so I kind of felt like that was definitely the universe confirming for me. Time to stop. Time to stop. No more cakes, no more fondant. No, no, no more. I, I think I, I gotta, I gotta hang up my apron, but I, and then mm. I put that, I'd had a Facebook page, um, for my cakes for a long time and, you know, I make them so rarely now. It's not like a very active page, but I posted the pictures, the before pictures that I took of the cakes before they were picked up. And then the pictures she sent me of how they looked when they arrived at the oh. party. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't great. But a lot of people <laughs> were like, don't quit, don't give up. And she did say, I mean, she still served the cakes to everybody and they tasted delicious. They just looked like a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> I would have eaten it. Yeah, like, this is fine. So, um, yeah that that wasn't that wasn't a great experience. But it's just interesting that those you know there's things that you do that for for a spell for a time mm-hmm. for a season of your life, and yeah. then sometimes you just gotta let them go. I understand. Like, I think I can relate in some ways where I was just volunteering all the time for my elementary school and mm-hmm. now I work at said school and I can't wait to leave every day. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's signing up to do shit? <laughs> I know. And it's just, you know, it's like just time of your life. Ch- mm-hmm. Changes happen and you can't devote, I mean, I devote so many hours outside of contract time anyway and I know you do as well. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot yeah, of work, they all, right? We so, all do. Um, but then you're like, well, I can't like physically, I can't mentally do it or yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, well, yeah, I'm in I my, yeah, um, yeah. this year, I'm in my sixth and final year as a parent board member at our school. So I've been on this parent board for six years, but mm-hmm. a teacher for two. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's going to be, it's, it, but it's so weird to think back to how that participation felt 
back when I was just a parent mm -hmm. um, versus now that I'm on the inside of the machine <laughs> yeah. and still participating in the same decisions and everything. The the perspective is so different. I bet. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm will be very excited to uh, retire from retire that, that parent board responsibility. Although there is always a role. Um, there's always a faculty member on the parent board as like a faculty representative. And right now it's an it's actually my daughter's eighth grade homeroom teacher. And I'm like, so being like, yeah, as soon as I'm not a parent, like a parent member anymore, are they going to ask me to be the faculty <gasps> rep? And I was like, no, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. I'm not, don't pick up your phone. <laughs> like, who's a sucker? Who's a sucker that we know? <laughs> she's not making cakes. She's got planning and time for this. <laughs> I, I hear she's all out of funding, folks. <laughs> well, um, so I'm doing the synopsis today. I yes. typed this up and never looked at it again. Yeah. So. I'm just going to be straight this up reading. This is going to be a real roller coaster. <laughs> and know. because um, this is a brand new movie that just came out in this last month, we wanted to take an opportunity at the uh, start of our episode. Frequent listeners know this is a spoiler podcast. Yes. But if you happen to be a random new listener who is dri dipping in for this episode for the very first time. And you're like, oh, here's a review. Uh, this episode. movie, I'm going to watch it this weekend. I'm going to listen to this review on my way to work. Don't. Nope. Don't do it. We're going to tell you everything that everything. happens. Everything. Everything that happens. I'm not even going to skip a little bit. No, nope, You're going to nope. hear all of it. So You're not, you're not going to want to watch it when we're done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true, too. Yeah. So. Spoilers. Consider yourself warned. Turn it, turn this off if you uh, don't want to know. Cover what your happens. ears and hum loudly, or just turn it off. Or just turn it off. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that works too. Okay, so um, it begins and there's a title card that says Halloween 2019, and you see a college age male babysitter arrive at a very like nice looking house. Oh, fancy as shit nice house. house. The mom um, pulls the babysitter aside. She's dressed as a flapper mm -hmm. um, and says that the boy, her son is still having nightmares, waits to the bed since the events of last Halloween, which is, I'm assuming, It's Michael the events. Myers. Yeah, well, yeah, because the first Danny McBride Halloween came out in 2018. Right. And this is this, this is Halloween 2019 in okay, that world. Yeah, so the next year. So since um Michael Myers had escaped the first time and yeah. they didn't know what the hell happened to him. So um, so she says no TV, no candy. The babysitter then proceeds to let him watch the thing and eat a shit ton of candy. And Did you love that it was the thing that they were watching? Yes, I was like, Because yes. they were watching the original thing in the original Halloween. It made me so happy. Yeah. I was, I was love callbacks. And then he tells the kid that he has about five more minutes to watch the movie, and then he needs to go to bed. Then he, um, the babysitter goes to... Um, the, he, he goes to the kitchen, and the kid, the kid though, on the way out, says, hey, hey you're a shitty babysitter. Uh, and you're kind of the worst. Ooh, sick burn. <laughs> and then he's like, whatever. And he and the babysitter goes to get himself a snack. And he helps himself to, he's going to get, makes to get some chocolate milk and some zucchini bread. Then he hears a ruckus. Um, and the babysitter, uh, who we find out later, his, uh, his name, I think, is Colin? I think so. I don't remember. No, Corey. Excuse me, Corey. And he goes, he hears a ruckus. He goes to investigate. He grabs the knife he was going to use for the zucchini bread. He hears a kid yelling for help, like, you know, and this house is really nice. There's a lot of 
banister, like wooden banisters. Yeah, there's like three floors of like rotunda staircases. Yeah, it's like where you fine. can like look from the ground floor up, like three stories yeah. past all of these banisters. It's like made out of fine oak, and there's it smells of rich mahogany, yeah, leather bound books. books everywhere. <laughs> it's very fancy, and mm-hmm. um, you can like look up. And see, like, several flights up, and there's these banisters and stuff. So he goes to look for him. The kid's yelling for help. Uh, Corey goes into the attic room, and the door gets slammed in his face and locked. And from the other side of the door, you can hear the the kid, like, just laughing um, from outside of the door. He's being a little little scamp. Scampy. Little (laughs) scamp. Scampy. Little scampy scamp. Um... Corey's kind of freaking out. He's like, let me out of here. Let me out of here. And he doesn't like being in there. Uh, and then he manages to, manages to kick open the door. The kid is in the way. The door hits the kid. And the hit kid flies over the banister down three, three floors, floors and hits the... Um, is it marble or wood? I can't remember. But Whatever he, anyway, it is, it breaks the shit out of him. He's messed up. Um, and he's then he's he, dead, folks. Yeah, he falls to the ground. It's very horrible, and the and Corey's looking over the right railing. as the parents walk in. Yes, right as they, so they see. Do they see him hit the floor? I don't know. I feel no, like they, they might it. actually see him fall, and they then see, like, the immediate aftermath. For yeah, sure, and then they like, rush oh to gosh. him, and they look up, and they see Corey looking mm-hmm. over the banister. So he's looking over the railing with a look of surprise, and a par- knife in his hand, and a knife in his hand, and the parents come in to find. I put in my notes: their asshole kid has died. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's sad even it's when an shrug. asshole kid dies, but. So then Lori is narrating um, many past scenes that um, come after that uh, that opening scene with the babysitter, Corey. Of, um, she's narrating parts from the original Halloween movie, Halloween Kills, uh, and she's just kind of recapping what has happened to their community since the events of what happened to her when she was a teenager with Michael and then him escaping and killing and terrorizing the community. And um, then it it ends with the tragic death of her own daughter, Karen. And four years have passed since since that happened. Um, Then you see Corey at this point, he's being put into a squad car and the couple, um, you see like a, all these random crimes happening around the community. A couple shot in their cars. There's murders, ha- murders happening in Haddonfield. It's not nothing to do with Michael, but the community is suffering from yeah. because of like the the shock or yeah, the trauma, the, co- of what the happened. collective trauma. Yeah. So now that Lori is um, has a home um, with Allison, she's just kind of focusing on raising Allison. I have to cough. Yeah, no, she's hilarious. I kind of love that um, that setting of the grandmother and the granddaughter living together. And I mean, Allison is grown at this point. She's out of high school, yeah, um, working as a like a nurse or a nurse practitioner. She's playing a nurse, and they like have a home together. And I'm trying not to cough. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to remember the the line that I absolutely did love that Laurie delivers when she talks about ripping her shirt over shirt open and showing grief your tits. Was that it? It was some. She said something, and it was so exaggerated and hilarious. Allison's like, um, grandmother, oh my gosh. And she's like, just you need to find a man, kind of like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, she's saucy. And meet other people. And um, 
I mean, Lori's kind of moved on in a lot of ways. She's like super obsessed with trapping Michael and getting him into her house and and like catching the boogeyman. And now she's kind of moved on a little bit. Like, yeah, I think she has something to focus on. Like with Karen dead, like she's focusing on Allison. And I think yeah, she's she's showing a lot of healing and growth for somebody that stagnated for like forty years after her initial trauma. (laughs) Yeah, so she's raising Allison. She says. In her narration, she's like, my home's not a trap anymore. Like, yeah. I'm, I've, I'm, you know, I'm making a home for my granddaughter. And she proceeds to then burn a pie <laughs> and then comments that um, while they're interacting, Allison and Lori, it's, they mention it's Halloween. Um, so then we revisit Corey. And he's arri- arriving on a bicycle to a scrapyard where he works. His boss gives him kind of a junked out motorcycle that just needs some repairs. And yeah. he's like, it's perfectly usable. And... Um, you know, he it, it can be your transportation. So Corey's very, very thankful. Um, then well, it, the boss is, is his stepdad or just his mom's boyfriend? I think it's his stepdad or somebody that his is part of his life and yeah. trying to help him out. And yeah, um, because you got to assume, like, even if he was, you don't see the le- the legal fallout of the babysitter's mm-hmm. charged death, but it's not good. Yeah, probably not. And Even if you're acquitted, it's it's going to derail your life. Well, that too. And he's working in a scrapyard and he mentions like when he's going to babysit in the first place that he's going to college. Yeah. And obviously then in transpire. Looking at different engineering programs or something yeah. like that. And it's like, yeah, no, that, that did not happen. Yeah. Because of whatever, like those that Halloween night of 2019 mm-hmm. that we, we saw. So then we see Allison. She's driving to work. A, pol- a police officer pulls her over and tells her that she's pretty. And I said in my notes, ooh, what a creep. <laughs> and the camera, the camera then pound, pans down to a pipe, and there's ominous music that starts playing. Um, then there's a, a gas station, and there's high schoolers. They're trying to get the uh, Corey to buy some booze on their behalf because mm-hmm. they're too young. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And then they realize that he's the babysitter that got away with killing that kid. They're like, hey, you're the babysitter that killed that kid. And like, they're like, ew, you're you're a horrible person and, and psycho or whatever. They like start calling It's definitely not us that have the problem. <laughs> yeah, we're great. We're, we're in the band. We're in the school band. So yeah. obviously we're... I've great. got a letterman's jacket on. I'm trying to I, score booze at a gas station. You're the problem. So then in comes Lori. She tells them, she's like, knock it off. Then she hands, um, and they call her a freak. And they're like, hey, a bunch of freaks are hanging out together. Like, they think that she's a weirdo and he's a weirdo and they belong together. And they're like, whatever. And they they... I don't know where they go, but I think they go inside. Yeah, they go inside. And then she's like, here, Lori hands him a knife. And she's like, go slash your tires. Yeah, she's like, do you want to do it or should I? And I he know. just totally slashes her tires. So I think it's pretty funny. But she takes Corey to the hospital because in his interaction with the kids calling him a psychopath, he like crushes a bottle of chocolate milk, mm-hmm. yoo-hoo, and slices his hand up pretty good. And yeah. they're like, ew, you are a creep. You know, you're weird. And so she takes him to the hospital. Deliberately uh, where her where Allison Ooh, is to go meet Allison. So Allison gives him some some stitches for his cut. She comments comments that her car is like giving her some trouble, and then he offers to help her. Then she asks him out, and he's like, "I can't." Um, so another also is I have to mention Lori's definitely trying to hook Allison up. Oh yeah, yeah. She she wants Allison needs. Some, I was gonna say something inappropriate. She wants Allison to have a man. Yeah, get a man. She just wants, Lori just wants Allison to be happy and kind of yeah. move on and, and find someone. 
So then um, later, Court is visited by Allison um, at the scrapyard, and the two of them um, ride a motorcycle together. She's pretty forward with Corey, and she tells him that she's like, I just came to see you, okay? Because he's sort of being, like, a little timid. Yeah, she's super direct, and Mm -hmm. and she's just like, hey, let's let's do this. And he's like, oh, I don't know. But it's, like, she knows who he is. She knows his history, and I think that that's what's, like, appealing to her is that, like, we, we both have been through some shit. We've both seen some shit. Right, and... They can just, you know, maybe be okay together. In yeah. A way. I'm, yeah. I'm not okay. You're not okay. We're okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then later, Lori sees Officer Hawkins at the grocery store, and he tells her that he likes her haircut, and they flirt through the aisles oh, and so shoot cute. the shit, and then Lori leaves that grocery store, and she's all smiles, and then she go, gets told by someone coming in she shouldn't be smiling because her sister is wheelchair-bound and cannot speak. She is a survivor from the previous movie, Halloween Kills. Yeah, so this, like, shitty person in the parking lot is like, oh, hey, Lori, this is your fault. Yeah, she's like, like you she's brought like, Michael Myers on you us. You egged him on. And you're like, no. No, she really didn't. Well, like, everyone blames her for Yeah, which is such crap. It doesn't even make sense. So then um, she's like, you provoked Michael. And, you, you know, you tempted him and you provoked him to go on a rampage. And yeah. My sister lived really close to you, and mm-hmm. this is why it happened to her. Because she was just, like, in the way. Like, happened to be, like, wrong place, wrong time. This is your fault. So Lori's so, no longer Twitter-pated. <laughs> yeah, Lori just then gets in her car and feels like a jerk. <laughs> She's like, oh, Which she shouldn't. That lady's the jerk. Yeah. So then Allison later takes Corey to a Halloween party at a bar where Lindsay's working. Um, you know, Lindsay. Good old who, Lindsay. Good old Lindsay. Who, who survived. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets some shit for being with the guy that killed that kid. Everyone's like, that guy killed a kid, you know, and um, and Lindsay's is like, you know, you can be with whoever you want to be. She's yeah. she like, no Lori, judgment. Lindsay's like, whatever, like, yeah. you know, don't take any shit. So Corey seems to be having a great time. And then he runs into the mother of that kid that he killed. Oh, no. The flapper lady. The flapper. And she's like, you're a huge piece of shit. And how are you here having fun when my child is dead? Like, in- I mean, fair enough. Whether or not, I mean, we know he didn't do anything wrong. But if you're a mother I and the babysitter, shit too, your, your so. kid died while the babysitter was there, I think you're entitled to hate them for the rest of eternity. I know I would. So Allison was dancing, not paying attention. Uh, Corey goes outside and then he, um, Allison runs out there and he asks Allison, like, why did you bring me here? What, you know, why is, why is he there? And. She explained that she wanted to take him out and that she relates to him and that he and then he tells her they're not the same. And people look at him like he's the kid killer and they look at her like she's a survivor and they're very different. Um, And so then she reaches her hand out like, please just take my hand. Please just take my hand. And, and, And he's like, no. And he leaves. Then he gets bullied more. By those asshole kids. The same from asshole kids. High school. That's a small town for you. You keep running <laughs> into the same assholes. <laughs> I know. So, and then he gets thrown over the bridge and goes onto the ground, and the, the assholes leave. And they're they like, think they, they think he's dead. They think they killed him. Well, I think. Like, oh shit! You know he's hurt. And I didn't do anything. And he jumped. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then they leave, and um, then he um, gets pulled into a tunnel by you don't know what. 
Yeah. And there's a bum kind of looking on like, what the fuck's going on? It's a ninja turtle. He's a ninja turtle. It's a ninja turtle. This is when he becomes the fifth ninja turtle. Donatello pulls him into the tunnel and it's crazy. They're like, you know, he... does he? You've got nunchucks, you've got katana swords, now this guy's got a butcher knife. Yeah. So, back at home at the Strode house, Allison is upset. Lori tells her that it's okay to be mad, you know, um... You know, because things didn't work out with Corey and Allison kind of feels bad for putting him in that situation. And she she just like it didn't go how she had planned. So yeah. she felt bad. So then in the creepy sewer, uh, <laughs> an unconscious Corey wakes up and he sees rats and darkness. And he didn't quite remember how he ended up in the sewer. The rats are splinter. Um, yeah. <laughs> then he walks. Uh, then splinter. And, and he comes out. And he's like, <laughs> I will I train you, my son. I will teach you. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu, or no, karate. Um, karate. He walks around for an exit, and then Michael is there and starts to strangle Corey. But then he looks into Corey's eyes, and he sees the pain and all that he's been through, and then he lets go suddenly. They have the um, same darkness. Yeah. So Corey emerges from the tunnel, peering back into the tunnel, um, really not sure of what he saw. A homeless guy quickly appears and threatens Corey, and he pulls a knife on him. And he, I forgot what the homeless guy says. He's like... He's like, get out of my tunnel. <laughs> I don't think he said that, but I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> get out of my tunnel. <laughs> Something along those lines. She's he a screenwriter, folks. He doesn't say that at all. But so, um, so then Corey like manages to get the knife from the homeless man, and uh, he kills him and leaves. And then he rushes home and takes a shower, and he looks at himself. I said in the mirror in a very serious way. <laughs> yeah. He's being very serious. Very introspective. So, yeah. So then later that day, Allison's at the hospital working. <laughs> Lori's at home riding. Corey's riding his bike. And now he's without glasses. So now you know he's bad to the bone. <laughs> since he doesn't have his glasses on Tough anymore. guys get contacts. <laughs> um, yeah. So then um, he arrives at Allison's house and he peers past the bushes. Um, and he's very creepy. And Lori sees him in the bushes like kind of Michael Myers style like standing off to the side of the hedges like looking out yeah. at him and it was very it was crazy very throwback. callback yeah Definitely. to to Michael behind the hedge yeah so um Lori rushes to see him and he's and he um he asks he's like can I please talk to Allison and so he talks to Allison and he explains that he got jumped by the kids from the gas station he apologizes to Allison and asks her he's like please take a walk with me so then he goes um with Lo- and then Lori's like not really sure about this actually anymore. Yeah, like, like as soon as she Corey sees goes. him lurking, she starts to be like a little suspicious. Yeah, she's like feeling bad about trying to set up a meet. Yeah, like may- maybe so I shouldn't have picked up cute. the first random acquitted killer at the gas station and tried to force him on my granddaughter. Who hasn't made that mistake? I mean, <laughs> who among us? <laughs> um. So then, yeah, Lori's not really sure about it. So then on their walk, Corey tells Allison, he's like, you know, I killed somebody. He takes her hand and she like looks at him kind of meaningfully. And then they break into that fancy ass mansion from the beginning scene where he was babysitting. And then he tells Allison what really happened that night. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just what transpired that night. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that he didn't do anything wrong that night. But yeah. that's, I mean, that, that, how many stories does that happen where, like, you didn't do anything wrong, but it's still, it's a catastrophic event that alters the course that of your life. will haunt, haunt yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So then Lori goes to see Corey's mom and she, 
you know, then Corey's mom was an asshole to Lori. She blames Lori. Cor- for- yeah, Corey's mom's a fucking bitch. She's crazy. She's the person. worst. Um, she blames blaming Lori for Michael like leaving and being a fucking she- nut. What about the part where she kisses Corey on the mouth and then like apologizes? <laughs> Who doesn't kiss their mother, their child in the mouth? Their, their, their grown the mouth. son on the mouth. <laughs> their grown know. son. Yeah, she's definitely demented. I don't know yeah, what's going on. Yeah, she's not so. okay. So then Corey and Allison go to eat dinner, and the police officer, who looks about 45, I said in my notes, yeah. walks over, and um, he's asked... Hey, little lady. Hey, little lady. He asks <laughs> Allison, like, why hasn't she called? And then Corey tells them to jog on, basically, and that they're good. <laughs> and Corey gets up and looks menacingly at the police officer. Prior to this, Allison and Corey are pretty much talking about burning Haddonfield to the ground for being a horrible place. They're spiraling. They definitely are. And they're like, <laughs> it had a very Sid and Nancy slash. A little like, bit, very, yeah. like, we're in this, we're going to, uh, you know, just burn this it all. This is all bullshit. Everyone down with us, you yeah. know, it's us against the world kind of thing. Um, so then Corey drops off Allison and he leaves her at her own place and he is pursued by a car as he races along the road on his motorcycle, heading back to that pipe to the sewer where he has created a home. No, I'm kidding. He didn't create a home. But, <laughs> he, he and Michael um, domesticated. Where he, yeah, where he uh, met Michael the first time. So, um, oh, I said where Michael is living his best life. <laughs> yeah, he in is. In the sewer. The stalker. Michael's like, I um, love it down here. Yes. So the car that you see following Corey is the police officer who was, um, you know, trying to pursue Allison in the first place and saw them at the diner. He goes to see what's going on and and investigate. Um, The police officer notices that there's a tent. He unzips it. And there's a dead, that dead homeless man has been stuffed in there. And the zipper was closed to the, to the tent. Nothing to see see here. Just a closed tent. Um, So then you see Corey put on a jacket, a jacket on the police officer's face to kind of like, he did, he, he kept up from behind and put a jacket on his face and he didn't know like the guy, you know, Classic the police officer karate was like, move. yeah, he was like, ah, what, what the heck? <laughs> and, um, Corey's like, this is how Donatello does it. <laughs> this is just going down the toilet. This synopsis. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? I'm here for it. I make it more interesting. I'm here for it. <clears throat> so then I said, Corey scampers into the pipe. Oh yeah, he does. Cackling. He does Cackling. though. He does. Really? Yeah. So Corey's, officer, Corey's not not well. Oh, I forgot that the officer's name is Doug. So Doug enters the pipe. Of course he's his pursuing, name is Doug. <laughs> he's the worst name ever. He's pursuing Corey and muttering threats. Um, and then Michael Myers attacks Doug and he gets knocked over and he seems to be staggering and injured. Um, Michael does. He's he's pretty beat up. I mean, he was shot about 98 times in the previous movie. Yeah. And he's been well, living in the I mean, I always look at the timelines of this. I said this when we were talking about Leatherface. So I was like, in the movie that came out this year, he's in his 80s mm-hmm. and he's still doing the chainsaw bit. You know, Michael, at this point, he was... He's in the 60s. Is he in his 60s? He was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was born in the 50s. No, so he's in his 70s. Oh, okay. Because the original murder of his of his sister... Was in the 60s? Yeah, it was in 63, 65, 63. And he was like eight. Okay, so he's like he's in the 70s. born in the 50s. Yeah, so he's in the 70s. So, so he's entitled to be losing a, a step. A staggering. Yeah. And he's living in the sewer. He's living in the sewer. He's not getting great nutrition. He's yeah. vitamin D deficient. <clears throat> yeah, so... He just was staggering and injured um, from, you know, trying to attack Doug. 
Corey asks Michael to show him how to kill. He's like, show me how to kill. And then he gets up and stabs Doug repeatedly. This is how you do it. Yeah. Michael, stand up straight now. He's seeming to be more, like, revitalized. Yeah, revitalized. He's rejuvenated. (laughs) Energized. Um, And then, uh, shoot, I just lost my place because we were just like, yeah, I was yammering about different things. I mean, we were both yammering. (laughs) I I, I take responsibility for my own yammering. Oh, okay. So, Michael gets up. He's very energized. Corey goes to Allison, and then he attempts to kiss her, but he is upset, and then he sits down. He asks her if Michael Myers let her live, or did she escape? He She tells him that her mother saved her. He's like, she's like, my mom saved me, and that's how I survived. Yeah. Then Lori arrives home after um, following the, or excuse me, um, Lori arrives after Corey, and then Allison, um, you know, and Corey go upstairs to hook up. <laughs> Michael can be seen watching uh, Lori from outside their house. Like, he, Michael's there too. And Corey Ooh. is hooking up with Allison upstairs. And this Michael's is, like, yeah, Michael's rubbing his like, hands together. This is why I came out of my sewer, is to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so then the following morning, Corey and Allison are in bed, and Corey takes the scarecrow mask that's on the dresser that he, uh, Allison had given him a scarecrow mask earlier in the movie to go to that bar and ha- right. like dance yeah. for Halloween night. So then he has that mask. And so then later, Lori is lamenting her worries about Corey to Lindsay and the father of the child that was killed. Um, he's there at the bar drinking. Uh, and Lindsay's like, they go and, and talk to him. And Lori tells Lindsay that the eyes of Michael Myers were, are in Corey. So then they go and talk to um the child's father who happens to be at the bar at that time yeah and, shooting pool yeah so then you know the father tells them the same thing as well so he 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 was like trying to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and then he like saw something in his eyes that he was like this is dangerous this is not yeah. the kid that i knew right so like, like the dad is saying like basically i think he has a grasp on the fact that his son's death was accidental mm-hmm. but who Corey is now is not the same boy that was there when with the accidental death of his son. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's so. funny to like use that element of the eyes because that was always Dr. Loomis's phrase mm-hmm. about Michael was the devil's eyes, that he had the devil's eyes, that there was no soul, it was blackness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember that too. And the way he said it, he's like, the devil's eyes. The devil's eyes. <laughs> So Allison's asshole co-worker, who got a promotion over Allison, and the jerk doctor are at his place. And man, does he suck. <laughs> That's what I said <laughs> in my notes. Yeah, he is. So she goes to wash up, and she finds an outfit that he left for her, and she hears that doctor scream. And they're kind of, like, at his really nice house, and, and they're getting ready to, like, hook up and have yeah, a nice dinner Yeah, he, like, gifts her this, like, sexy robe. Mm-hmm. So then, um... You know, so you last see the doctor where he's like outside about to light a fire and he has a nice pool and it's just like a really gorgeous house. And so she goes outside to kind of investigate and it's all dark outside and it was super lit up. There was a fire, you know, about the the fire was being lit and it was like super romantic. And then it's like pitch black. That house was like kind of crazy. It was a really good setting for a scene like this because Mm -hmm. it was like obviously like a very opulent house with like big glass walls and and just the the spaces and everything gave them a lot of potential to work with with like mm-hmm. the, the dark corners and the different elements yeah um 
you just didn't know it was around. Like it, it was like dark and you know suddenly there's a lot of shadow. Yeah, and, and um, not much like moonlight. I guess I don't know. It, it was super dark. <laughs> <laughs> so she she goes to um, she calls for Doctor Mathis. He's not responding. There's broken glasses on the f- ground. She's like, what the hell? She turns on the lights and then sees Dr. Mathis getting stabbed by Corey, who's wearing the scarecrow mask. She runs inside to call the police, and Michael is inside. And then he stabs her while Corey is looking on. And then he takes off his mask, uh, his scarecrow mask, and she realizes who she, who he is. Yeah. Because she was, like, giving Allison shit, like, oh, he's a creep. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, acknowledged, like, oh my gosh. Like, there was a, like, realization that she was right but then she died anyway yeah in in the same he stabs her elevated up into the wall like he does in the first yes it had a very like um who did he stab like that the boyfriend bob bob oh poor bob yeah so then he um stabs her by like Corey was looking on like i mentioned and then later Corey, after that whole event late Corey takes allison out on a very romantic drive on his motorcycle. <laughs> um, so I said here, I guess he's feeling all pumped up, pumped up, pumped up from all the murders. <laughs> he's then they juiced. Have, he's all juiced up. <laughs> then they have a date on the radio station roof and he tells her that he wants to get away from everyone that knows him. He jumps off the roof uh, during his speech and that causes a little bit of a ruckus. The DJ comes out and tells them that they're dumb little bitches and they need to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, Allison tells Corey that she wants to leave with him. She's like, I want to leave town with you. Yeah, and I want to this place. Like, leave this place in the dust. Um, so then Lori is apparently, ooh, turn my page. Oh my gosh. It's like stuck. You, I was like, do um, you have another page? <laughs> yeah. Lori's apparently spying on them both. And then Corey is dealing with his crazy mother. So then he leaves, leaves his mom. Um, then it's October 31st again. What? Yeah. Halloween? It's Halloween time. Shocking. I know. Time just flies um, <laughs> when you're having fun. I don't know. Corey's sleeping on that exact spot where the kid died from his creepy, bad babysitting Yeah, experience. I love breaking into abandoned houses and sleeping on the spot where children died. Who doesn't? It's I my mean, thing. So then he wakes, to, <laughs> he wakes and, and he finds Lori and she tells him about an evil and then external kinds of evil and internal kinds of evil. Ooh. And Lori tells him to stay the fuck away from Allison. And Corey tells her that it's her fault that they kind of found each other. Well, yeah. he's not wrong. And then he Thanks says, a lot, grandmother, yeah, I know, grandmother. But then he says, if he can't have her, no one can have her. Oh, that's the phrase we love to hear. Isn't that cool? And that Allison needs Boys. to be, ha- be able to live her own life. And then he tells her that she secretly hopes that Michael comes back for her. Um, then he discovers Lori's gone when he's like trying to like talk trash her. And then he's like, hey, and then another thing. Oh, you're gone. So she left. No, so I'm going to write this down and tell it to you later. I know. So then Lori, uh, or excuse me, Corey, not Lori. Corey calls Allison and tells her that they have to say goodbye to Haddonfield. He tells her Lori wants to kill him. And then he goes to Michael to take his Halloween mask from him. And Michael gets up when Corey crawls away and um, he leaves with his mask. And they kind of like have a little bit of a 
you know, scuffle and he gets the mask and, and runs off with it. So now Corey has Michael's mask and Michael is like left in the sewer. But then he gets up. So Allison packs <laughs> up her shit while Lori is uh, telling Allison that Corey's like Michael. He's bad news. And Allison's like, you're saying you say like literally everyone's Michael all the time. so she's like whatever and then um then you see Corey has carved some shit into the uh, bullies that uh car paint and then they arrive at the dump and there's scrap at the scrap metal place where Corey works the bullies see Corey's bike and then they decide they want to mess it up and then one by one this is like evening in the evening time um the bullies get pursued by Corey and killed his body uh, is. I don't remember. Is Michael there in that scene too, or is it just Corey? It's just Corey. I think at this point. Ah. Um, his his uncle slash boss. I didn't know what he was. Relative. I think he's his stepdad. Yeah, his stepdad. He's like watching a movie and he's headphones on and he can't hear all the ruckus. Then he finally hears something and and he goes to investigate and um, then he realizes that Corey's making like a big ruckus and the, all this crazy shit's happening. And then he gets shot by one of the bullies, and Corey fucks him up with a bullet torch, as one will when you shoot your cousin, brother, uncle, I don't uncle, know what he is. Uncle, stepdad, um, step-uncle, cousin. Yeah, so then he leaves with the tow truck and his Michael Myers mask. They He basically just, like, annihilates all these bullies, and it's crazy. And it should be satisfying. Um, I'm just sort of it's like, not. what? Okay. Yeah. I don't We've know. kind of gone off the rails. I know. <clears throat> So then, hold on. Uh, he enters his house. There's heavy breathing. He grabs a knife from the drawer and attacks his own mother, similar to the first Halloween movie, except he was attacking his mother and not his sister. Um, ah, kind of like so Michael you're Myers. saying Corey attacking his mother was a parallel to Michael attacking Judith? Yes. Okay. And wearing the mask. Um, then meanwhile at the radio station, Corey arrives at the station ready to mess up the station radio station guy who made him all mad. Totally reasonably told the kids to stop jumping off the radio station roof. Well, don't even try because Don't save me from my own bad judgment. (laughs) Yeah. Corey is there to wreak havoc. So he, uh, murders the receptionist and he murders the DJ live in the air. He cuts off his tongue and puts his tongue on the record. I mean, it was excessive. Allison waits for Corey at the cafe, and then she keeps getting calls from Lori, who apologizes. She asks Allison, like, please come home. Uh, Corey then stands her up, and he doesn't show. Then she goes to his house to look for him, but obviously no one answers, because everyone's dead in his house. Uh, So then Lori is in her own place, hoping Allison will come home. She's looking up, or locking up the house, bringing up a bottle of bourbon and a glass. She lights a candle and the pumpkin... She takes her manuscript and a gun and then reports a suicide. Um, she calls the police and says, oh, there's been a suicide. I need to report. And she gives her own address. Then she holds You're up like, the gun no, to her Lori, head. You're like, no, Lori, no, don't do it. She, yeah, she holds the gun up to her head. And then she fakes out Corey by saying, like, Did, and then she shoots. And then there's a splatter. Mm-hmm. And then you see, and then Corey come, kind of walks in. And she's like, did you really think I'd kill myself? And then she shoots him. Dun, dun, dun. The fake out. Then she tells, tells him, you came here to kill me, so why don't you just do it? And then uh, Allison arrives with her rattly, rattly ass car. <laughs> and then he stabs himself in the neck and frames Lori. 
Um, they kind of are like having a scuffle, and yeah. then he like takes the knife, stabs himself, and ha- and then it looks very yeah. So it looks to Allison like Lori did grandmother. it. Grandmother, yeah, yeah, grandmother. Because at that point, like grandmother and Allison are are really at odds anyway. Yeah. So then um, the back door opened. She sees she sees that horrible scene. She's like, "What did you do to him?" She shrieks. She leaves. Lori crumples to the floor. The back door is open. Then the mask is picked up. Almost. But then Corey fights him. Michael snaps his ma- uh, neck. Corey's neck. And he gets his mask back. Bye bye, Corey. Uh-huh. And then Lori locks the door. And Michael and Lori are once again in the same house. Michael and Lori fight. He smashes. Um, they smash each other in the kitchen. I don't even really know. A lot know. of smashing. Like, a lot of smashing. Lori manages to nail him to the kitchen island with knives. She stabs him pretty good. Pretty good, she, you would think, if yeah. it wasn't Michael. And then takes off his mask. He attempts to strangle Lori, but they essentially bleed him out. Then uh, Hawkins arrives to find Allison there with a dead Michael and an alive Lori. They tie a dead Michael to the roof of the car. The sheriff is like, I'll allow it. Yeah, he, he does. Like, yep. They're like they can't do this, and he's and then he's the like, sheriff's um, like, yeah, because is it the it's that same black sheriff with the cowboy hat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. him. So they drive him through the neighborhood, and everyone follows in their cars for some mob justice. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with Michael to see Michael Meyer get his uh, just desserts. They take his body and they put his ass through a baler cruncher. I don't know what it is, baler something. Uh, for the entire town, wood chipper. To witness, oh yeah, the maybe you, I don't know, yeah, to witness his crushing. Later, Allison tells Lori that she was writing about Corey. He tells her that he was consumed by evil, and Allison decides to leave. Lori finishes her book. Hawkins goes to see Lori, and the two of them have a nice moment on the porch, and then that's the end. It's really a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, they threw Michael in the shredder. And then Lori and Hawkins hook up in the end. Yeah. It's like a nice little bow. Lori wins. Michael dies. Michael's destroyed. Lori finds love. So, did you think this is scary? No. <laughs> Me neither. No. I I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with this installment. Um and not because taken uh by itself, I don't know that there was really anything wrong with it as a movie, but I feel like the the pitfall was that the first Danny McBride Halloween was so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Then Halloween Kills was good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. But that was okay because it was still oh, it was still okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I also loved how they had people from the first movies. Yes, and- yeah. So they, they were able to capitalize on that. Like, kind of hang their hat on that. Um, my The problem that I had with this one is that it was supposed to be the culminating episode in a trilogy and it introduced a brand new character and and totally not before seen aspect or element of the Michael world mm-hmm. and, and you don't you can't introduce new shit like that in the last installment of a trilogy mm-hmm. um, this idea that you know, and I didn't have any problem with Corey's character. Um, I liked how they built his backstory. Um, but to 
you know, you, you are taking the story that is so established, it's so well told, and you've followed it on a trajectory so far, and then you get to the end and you're like, but wait, new person, new backstory, new element, new relationship between him and Michael, something we've never seen before of Michael working with another person and like transferring his evil or feeling a connection to another killer. And now they're a killing team. Like, I don't, I did not like how, how much new, just new ideas and new elements they introduced at this point in the arc. I think that's what I struggled with. I thought, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was just trying to put like a new varnish on something that was like. Yeah, like they needed to make a third movie and they needed. I, I get that they needed something, some content to make this movie worth making, mm-hmm. you know, Um and I, I loved the, the characterization of Allison and Lori's relationship and the two of them living together. And I'll, uh, there was so much to work with there. And I don't object to the introduction of this new like character as a boyfriend or whatever, but just bringing in this element that like, Michael's evil and like he he recognizes the evil in someone else or did he transfer the evil to Corey who knows because mm-hmm. Corey wasn't wasn't bad yeah he was traumatized by his experience his mm-hmm. experience where like I said he didn't do anything wrong but he had to live with the blowout from it and um so somehow that made him dark enough that Michael would recognize in him some sort of kinship that then they would become this dynamic killing duo. It was a stretch. It was a stretch. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that it was hard for me to really evaluate the movie by itself as as its own self-contained thing because of the expectations I had going into it as it being the third installment of this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was scary. I didn't super love it. Yeah. What yeah. about you? I mean, I felt the same way. Like, I thought it was kind of weird. Like, the oh, we're going to look in each other's eyes and now there's a connection. <laughs> and now... Michael is suddenly like, why are we going to be friends? And you're like, no. He's you're my not protege. Friend. He's not friends with anybody. No, he, he has no soul. He not, can't relate to others. He forms no connections. Right. And I thought that like, oh, we're kindred spirits. Like, no, that does not happen. Mm-mm. So I, I kind of, I think that part that made me, I had, I had a hard time suspending disbelief from that point on. Yeah. Because like I enjoyed like, I don't know how they could have incorporated Michael into this movie. I enjoyed the parts as separate with Corey, separate mm-hmm. from Michael, like where they were, he, where he was like being really dark and trying to like overcome this big yeah, thing that happened Yeah, that was to an him. interesting and, character arc. Yeah, and then Allison trying to like maybe Save be him. with him. Yeah. yeah, and but then it got weird. And I was like, I don't understand. And then Allison's like, let's all burn it down. And I'm like, <laughs> and then like wait, is she dark too? <laughs> yeah, because she wasn't like that before. No. Really? Like, she's but I mean, like, yeah, she had her own trauma. Sure, she had her own trauma, but she's like trying to be a nurse and she's like 
living with Got her grandmother, grandmother and then she's like living her life and she seemed okay and then suddenly she's like I'm gonna burn it all to the ground <laughs> and, then, and you're like what okay because this guy showed up and he's like I don't like it here and she's like me neither let's burn it to the ground <laughs> <laughs> well like the the purpose of this installment was supposed to be Lori's final confrontation with Michael Basically, what happened in the last 10 minutes of the movie was the only thing that needed to happen in this story. Yeah, but then that would be a very short movie. Exactly. So I understand (laughs) that they needed to come up with something else to lead up to that point. But I don't like what they picked. (laughs) Yeah, I I have to say, though, I enjoyed the last part, though, where they, like, Lori and Michael were fighting. Yeah. She drains him of his blood yeah. and it wasn't like a brute force thing like that was the problem with the Halloween kills where they're yeah. like he's just surrounded and then he like manages to overcome it and live in the sewer a life in the sewer and, <laughs> but the, there was mom justice that was trying to happen yeah. and it was brute force like Lori had mentioned before and this time it was just her and him and she was bleeding him out mm-hmm. and he was, and that's what we wanted uh, yeah and we that, wanted Lori and Michael chopping block literally yes and then then they threw his ass in a in a chomper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean Corey. Corey was my problem with this because like I did. I liked the the final confrontation. I liked the summation of Laurie and Michael. I loved the um you know her and Hawkins and how adorable that was. And you mm-hmm. just want you know like oh late in life love good for you. And I liked the. Allison and Lori grandmother granddaughter dynamic that they had going on I thought that was it it gave them the opportunity to have some of the comedic elements that these movies have been so great at right Um, but it was that whole Corey and him somehow fusing with Michael yeah it didn't work I think that maybe if I I don't know if it went a different direction like where Corey was with the bullies and they're maybe near that pipe, the sewer pipe. Mm-hmm. And then they're like shoving him around and whatever. And then suddenly one of them gets stabbed and they're like, what was that? And it was Michael. Yeah. If and Michael then, came out and killed the bullies. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, okay. And then maybe, you know, you'd assume that he'd kill Corey as well, but maybe he wouldn't. But Corey would but, get away. Yeah. But then Corey would, would just be another potential victim or like a prey of yeah. Michael rather than an ally. But then something would have to happen for them to be uh, I don't know, I'm trying to rewrite it, but I'm trying to say like how I would have enjoyed it more if it had a different yeah. different take or something. Yeah. It. Well, and it's funny because with yeah. so many of the sequels that we've talked about in the past couple episodes, like I mean, we didn't we didn't shine such a bright light on the plot choices that they made in those movies, and I think that we just had really high expectations. Right. For these ones. Well, I think also like movies I don't know, in recent times there's a lot of more, the horror is held to a much higher standard in a yeah. lot of ways. More not, than Not like, all of them, but a lot of them, yeah. A lot of them are. Then when, in the 90s, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Halloween it's, 5, and you're yeah. like, oh gosh, that plot, you know, like you wouldn't. What plot? You, right. You, it's, it's, it just seemed like it was there like, weren't enough here's boobs. a script and here's a movie and let's go make it and let's not think about it too much. Yeah. I think that's how 
it was done in the 90s and and aughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, I think that maybe we're we're being more critical of this installment than we would be if this movie had been made 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. I think so. I think yeah. we had really high expectations. And we yeah. talked about what your expectations of a movie do to your enjoyment of it mm-hmm. and your take on it. Um but I think that it's just a bummer because this Danny McBride trilogy, the first one was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. And when the second one came out, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't quite as good. Mm-hmm. But I was okay with that because how could it have been as good? Yeah. But I didn't think that the third one would fall so much short. Yeah. So yeah. far short from from even two, let alone right. one. I think that there were some elements and um, and characters and that I appreciated, but didn't culminate and and do yeah, it didn't come together, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. It ended. Michael has been chonked up. Yeah. And uh, but perhaps. that I mean that kind of brings <coughs> us back around because uh, one of the things you know this being our third episode dedicated to this franchise, this whole idea of. These, these movies, these villains that don't die, that, you know, have movies made about them for 40 some odd years mm-hmm. um, and they go through ebbs and flows in different filmmaking eras and different reiterations and remakes and sequels. Um, and what is it about these characters or these stories that give them the legs to um, last this long? Mm-hmm. And something I, I can't remember if we actually did tangentially mention it in either of the previous Halloween episodes, but the um, the Netf- it's a Netflix series, right? The movies that made us. Mm-hmm. It's actually yeah. produced by Netflix. And there um, there's three seasons out. And the third season, the first three episodes are for um, kind of seminal horror movies. And the first episode is for Halloween. And if and you watched all of them, <laughs> but if you good. are a yeah. fan of Halloween or any of the movies, I mean, that that's a fantastic series. Um, but the episode on Halloween, it's, it truly is a deep dive into the, um, process and history of making the first movie, the very first movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, when we were talking about it earlier, I was like, I described it as kind of like a scrappy situation. You know, you just had a lot of young people people with not a lot of resources, but creativity and ideas and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just, you know, scraped it together with scotch tape and and made it, you know, it's that whole Captain Kirk mask. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're just going to buy this mask at a Halloween store and paint it white and cut the eye holes bigger and an icon is born. Right. Yeah. Um, And so how do you get from something like that, those like so-called like humble beginnings, really, Mm -hmm. to being what, 40 years, 40 plus years down the road? Yeah. um, And 13 movies into this franchise. um, Why? Why does that happen? Why does a character? Why does a story get that kind of legs that people keep going back to it? And and they well, they keep going back to it because it keeps making money and it keeps making money because people want to see the story continue. Yeah. Well, it's our boogeyman. Yeah. A lot of way. Yeah. Like I want to keep watching. It's the boogeyman. It's our boogeyman. We have to go watch it. And I mean, I'm going to. Yeah. And you will, too. (laughs) So, I mean. Yeah. We have our Pennywise and our Jason and our Michael Myers and um, 
you know, I think it's always, I'm like, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do with it? What are they going to, like, is it going to be compelling? Is it going to be good storytelling? Or is it going to be like, eh, you know, yeah. it's whatever. And if it's trash, it's trash. And you, you, you know, still make an episode about it. Yeah. But, and then um, you're like, okay, well, whatever. that happened. It's part of the world. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's just fascinating to me how like some of these characters just get, have enough of a hook mm-hmm. um, that movie makers filmmakers keep wanting to go back to it with new ideas new perspectives new takes and try and make it again um because this isn't the end this isn't the last halloween movie we're gonna see yeah i mean come on someone is gonna come back and make either another sequel or another remake beginnings of halloween or michael myers prequels yeah you know i mean maybe he had fetal alcohol syndrome i don't know (laughs) um but you know, we we can't predict what some... But there are so many creative people out there. And with a fundamentally um, captivating story like this that has such a history, you, you it's a guarantee that people are going to want to see what you've come up with when you try to do something new with it. Mm-hmm. And I think Halloween Ends is a perfect example because it wasn't great. No. But yeah. there was no chance we weren't going to watch it. Of course I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would just say, like, in summation, like, watch the movies that made us. The the entire series. It's, it's you know. It's uh, not just all horror. It's no, a it's, it's, it's got Die Hard. It's got Back to the Future. It's got Forrest Alien. Gump. It's got, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really, really fantastic. If you like movies and you like, um knowing more about how they get made and the people that make them. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that I thought was very cool that I wasn't really aware of before um, I saw the episode um, for Halloween of the movies that made us when um, they talk about, and now I'm, I feel bad because I'm blanking on her name, but uh, John Carpenter's girlfriend, basically, mm-hmm. De- Deborah. I don't remember, but I remember we I watched... I know what you're talking about where it was on the yeah and she um, that made us she was basically like when you watch the movies that made us you you see how she was as um as fundamental to getting the first movie made as John Carpenter yeah that's a big um, deal and she got a little bit overlooked Mm-hmm. But that's something that you do start to see and the the way that they credit these later movies, um, you know, because then you always get like based on characters created by so and so, even though the so and so is not at all involved yeah. in the movies that are being made anymore. And she is getting recognized um, as a co-creator of these characters and this concept alongside John Carpenter now where she wasn't with m- most of the early sequels. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, because it's, it, well, it's like, it's not just John Carpenter. It's not just like one person. It's like right. a huge team effort to be like, come to the table with different ideas. Like, what yeah. if this happened? Oh, oh, what if, you know, what if, what if he wore this mask? Or what yeah, if, like, you know, he kept getting up? Or what if he reached his hand out and, and dragged you down? Or mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it, it's, it makes these like huge iconic moments. And it's a culmination of ideas mm-hmm. that were like, for example, Tom Savini is like, what if they, you know, Jason reaches his hand up and like jumps out of the water and pulls you down? Yeah. You know, just like in Carrie. And yeah. then you're like, ah, that's like a huge and, huge and it part changes of everything. That. Yes, exactly. Suddenly 
oh, is it a dream? Is she is is Jason alive? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like. It sure is interesting. It's like great storytelling and mm-hmm. it makes me want to watch more. Yeah. So um, I think that's awesome. Well, it's so charming um, to like think about how many sometimes, especially when it's like a low budget bunch of people, bunch of young. I mean, they're young kids. It's uh, wild. I when you look back at these, that. you know, and especially like you, you know, our age and it's like thinking like there's kids like 20 years younger than us mm-hmm. that are like, let's get this movie made. And how many like sometimes the decisions that they make that end up being movie history were based on the fact that they couldn't afford to do something else. Yeah, yeah. Because with, um, they talked about in the movies that made us for Halloween, the um, the steady cam rental, mm-hmm. that like two thirds of their budget or something was just for this new camera Ooh, device. Camera. Yeah, that and it made it. Yeah, that was movie. like game changing in filmmaking at that time. And they were like, we're going to spend all our money just so we can use this technology mm-hmm. that was, I mean, and it, you know, made the movie or the talk about the, the opening shot of the original Halloween where it was so long that the, the reels weren't long enough. And mm-hmm. that's why they added the moment where he picks up the mask and puts it on because it gave them a cut point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, it's so interesting to see it from the other side because it's, it's almost like you're, you know, watching an episode of like Friends, like friend the one where they made the movie, because yeah. it's just a bunch of young people with these ideas and this enthusiasm, and this creativity doing this project that just, I mean, I know it's hard work and it was hours and hours of work that they put in, mm-hmm. but they, they were passionate about it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like, um, how the sausage is made and, and like, <laughs> and you're like, I, you know. This mask happened because they happened to come to the party store and be like, oh, well, this is, you know, that's more scary than this one. Yeah, and then, I got this one and this one. Which one do you think? Uh, uh, that, that one. one. And then you're like, ah, 40 years later, yeah. people are wearing that mask. People recognize that around the world. To trick or treat. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Michael. Hey. And, you know, it's it's it becomes part of the ethos, part of our, like, just pulp culture and, um it's pretty wild and yeah. I, I really enjoy that like backstories honestly like I get really intrigued by like how Pinhead is made or how mm-hmm. you know just different like the happenstance of, of someone being available to be part of a movie versus another actor and then they yeah. become the iconic yeah. person like where you couldn't imagine it being anybody and, yeah. else and then you're like well it was so happened to be work out yeah. that way it was just chance yeah it's it's pretty interesting so yeah so i i would predict that we i mean this is not the last that we're gonna see of michael myers and i don't think so either i i can't even begin because that's not me i'm not that filmmaker i'm not that creative person like i can't imagine (laughs) who or what the next idea will be for it Mm -hmm. but i'll be there i'll be there too and i'll uh summarize it and cough and hack through it and say ridiculous things. <laughs> <laughs> we will relate it to Ninja Turtles. That is our pledge to you. <laughs> yeah. If there's a sewer, I mean, and rats, it's like, it writes itself. Yeah. Right? I have you can't not. Um, yeah. So our next episode is the invitation. The invitation. It is our Thanksgiving episode for this year. So we picked uh, last year. We did your next for the family dinner party experience, oh, uh, which is so good. Yeah, go, love go back and listen to that while you're waiting. But um, this is the invitation. It is not the one that just came out. Um, 
that this one came out in 2015. Yes. Um, and it is a, a dinner party to remember. Yes, we wanted to focus on a movie that has friends and gathering, gathering. and eating a nice It's a dinner. Friendsgiving, if you will. Friendsgiving, <laughs> and it ends great, and everyone has a great time. Everybody, yeah, and everybody goes home stuff. No, not quite. Well, you'll have to find out. Yeah, but or watch, watch it. it. <laughs> that too. So thanks for joining us. Bye.